in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another brand new live episode for our $10 and above patrons here of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost, and uh, we are excited to be here for another week doing a Top 10 show for you guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking forward to it. The NBA season has begun. How'd you like your Washington <laughs> Wizards last night? How about that? A victory over the Raptors. Not too shabby. Um, you know, we don't look bad. I like Montrez Harrell as part of this team. Certainly did a nice job last night. Beal doesn't feel like he has to carry the load, at least, at, at least like not the way he's done in the past. I feel like there's a little more a spreading of the wealth. Do I think this is a team that'll make any damage in the playoffs? No, I think we're still a couple of moves away from possibly being able to make any noise at all, but I don't think we're going to, I think we've got a real good shot. If everybody stays healthy, I think we have a real good shot of getting in the playoffs and maybe in the five or six range, depending on how things work out. Okay. What what do you think? No, Uh, I think you're in the playing game. That's where (laughs) I project you guys. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that, yeah, there's there's quite a few teams uh, that a bunch of question marks, but you guys okay. have a solid rotation. I mean, yeah, how much is Dinwiddie going to give you? Who knows? Right. Only right. time will tell. Uh, you know, Montrez is great until you need him to play defense. Uh, that's a fair point. That's a fair and, point. And uh, I like the Gafford extension. I thought that was a nice uh, yeah. move for you guys. Surprised by that, but yeah, yeah, you know, he's a solid rotational piece. Yeah, I, I didn't know that we were going to be. Um, how can I say this? I didn't know we were going to be leaning into that one. Like I was a little surprised by that. So, but I'd uh, have to look like at the contract, but I think it's fairly is. tradable. Yeah, probably. So I, I don't think you're out all that yeah. much. So, but yeah, the NBA season is back. It feels like it's so quick. I know, dude. It feels like we we, we had maybe a month off, and now I it's know. all back hardcore, like before. But. What do you think about the Raider of uh, the Lakers start here? Do you think it's all a bunch of hullabaloo? I mean, because yeah, know, it is. It is it, right. It's game one. Everybody yeah. that's crowing about how amazing their team was after yeah. one game, it's like you're out of your mind. <laughs> it's like the NFL after week one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers has even said like it's week one. It looks good. I think we're yeah. gonna go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. If if one. if it's week five and we're still having these questions, then hell yeah, that's a that's a problem. So right. after one game, anybody, you know. The Lakers needed one more person to step up. They didn't get it. Yeah. And it's they have three returning players from last year. So it's an entirely brand new team. Now, technically, a couple of them have played for him in the near past with Rondo and uh, Dwight. But simultaneously, it's like it's still a brand new team. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to take them a little time. I Yeah. The sky is not falling. Westbrook (laughs) looked terrible. He did. But give him time. Figure out, you know, his role in the offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's still way too early. Yeah. Uh, but what I, are you going to do? What about um, two things here? Carl Anthony Towns saying he loves playing in Minnesota. He's happy to be in Minnesota. Everybody says that. What the hell was that all about, man? 
If it's if everybody says that Zion when he was asked, I love New Orleans. I'm like, really? New Orleans, greatest place. Because everything on the offseason was you're already pissed at the front office and won out. <laughs> but you love New Orleans. Okay. I, it's what you have to say. It's I guess basically so. it's it's a <clears throat> crash and what's his name in Bull Durham, and he's just feeding them the bullshit answers. Oh, right. That the in media the, the wants room. to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they're on the bus and he's like, here, write this down, Rook. And just like this is what you say. It's that's all what you say. Whether yeah. or not it's true, who knows? I cat it comes down to if that team is any good or not. Right, right. I mean, they got uh, a victory to start the season, but sure. you know, you never know what that you know, Minnesota's won many times before to start seasons. Yeah, they started <sighs> on a crazy hot streak last year. And yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember that. Flamed right. out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fine. Uh and plus Houston is uh I don't know what the identity of that team. So Yeah, right. It's a collection of mishmash parts, and will they be able to succeed? I doubt this year, but who knows? Yeah. What um, What do you do if you're if you're Doc Rivers, man? The Ben Simmons situation is out of control. I mean, why I why know. come back? Why surprise them? Then show up and be an absolute dick in practice. Well, I think what's the end game here? I think uh, I think it was John Holliger that I saw it on Twitter mm-hmm. said it when he was doing the holdout and he's like the smart plays to just show up and be an asshole. And then they have to exile you, which is precisely what he did because then oh, wow. he has to get paid. Right. If it's a team decision, as opposed to his decision, right. Right. So it's him showing up to get the money. Um, yeah. that's why I, I, I don't know. I, Cause it, it kills his trade value. What, Oh yeah. What ooh, contending ooh. team is willing to give up pieces for him now. So yeah. he's going to end up in a place that he doesn't want to go to Yeah, for a team that sucks. Well, it's not like he's James Harden. Like Harden pulled this shit on Houston, and they, they they pulled the trigger on the trade because they just couldn't deal with that nonsense anymore. Yeah. But Harden is like a guy who had led the uh, the Rockets to the precipice of the finals. He's he's been to the finals with the Thunder. This is a guy who at most has been to the conference finals once, and that's it. And so it's like I don't see the logic in the game he's playing here. He comes off like a petulant child rather than a frustrated superstar that's being screwed over by the team and the coach. You know yeah. what I'm saying? This is where I think this is a bad play. Hollinger may be right, but I think it's a bad play because, yeah, like you said, like other teams are like, well, I don't want that shit on my fucking team. No yeah. way. I'm not trading an all-star because that's all the only thing they're taking back. Right. To get him. So he's going to end up in uh, Indiana or San Antonio yeah. oh, Indiana, yeah. or Sacramento. Sacramento, yeah, but I don't think Sacramento would give up, you know, what, De'Aaron Fox? They're not going to give up oh, Tyrese right, Halliburton yeah. because he's cheaper. Right. So what does Sacramento have? Nobody, they're not going to take Marvin Bagley back, so. It's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird, it's a weird situation, and it's only going to get weirder. But he's not going to play, looks like, maybe uh, tomorrow night as well. Yeah. Um. I'd this, send him to my G League or D League team. I'd send. I reassign him there. Like, he's not going to play. Why would he uh, play there if he's not going to play with the him. big boys? Fuck him. You're down there now. Live with those motherfuckers. <laughs> it's fine. You still got to pay him, and he's not going to play down there. And he's going to be a distraction and and hurt the development potentially of your guys. In that <sighs> yeah, that's a good point. So good point. this kind of petulant behavior can't keep getting rewarded by. It. There, there needs to be. You know, they asked about Adam Silver. Or they asked Adam Silver, but he's like. He said, oh, this is not thing new. This happens all the time. This is why we have contracts. But there needs to be a clause in the contract. And when a star player pulls shit like this, like there has to be consequences for it, uh, especially when it's not yeah. like the team's fault. He f- he played like dog shit and got called out for it. 
in times past, you double down, you work hard, you try to earn the coach's respect back, you try to earn the other star players' respect back. Nowadays, it's, he hurt my feelings, fuck that shit. I need to be treated like a king. It's like, what the fuck? There used to be a time where you you understood, I blew it, I need to work on my shit so I can I, get yeah. better. Clearly, I've got issues as a don't player. You, don't you think that's just a difference of of each individual? Because I'd imagine if you look <sighs> back, there were True. disgruntled you know, uh, players of of – yeah. Yesteryear, they were That's like, my point. feelings are hurting. I don't want to play. And others yeah. doubled down and got better. I, I, I yeah, don't like know Weber just- forcing his way out of Golden State when all that shit was going down. And yeah, it's a good point, dude. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's indicative of modern times. Although the <laughs> four years left on a max deal. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I think I in the next negotiating, I think they should do something where, hey, look, we can't continue to have this because then what's the point of signing right. these contracts? Right. If guys can just force their way out whenever they want. Yeah. Uh, there has to be like a conduct detrimental to the team clause yeah. that goes like if you act in this manner, certain manner, you will not get paid. You just will not get paid. So go and act a fool. Same thing with Kyrie. Like he wants to mess with the vaccination. Cool. He shouldn't get a dime because he's choosing not to follow the rules as they've been, you are you are under the auspices of the NBA. This isn't about my free will and all this. Now you're not walking around the streets. This isn't a government. This is the yes. NBA. But the and NBA doesn't have a vaccine mandate. Yeah, so he's they, not yeah. in violation That's of the league point. policy. So he's got that like yeah that fucking uh, yeah, gray area. Yeah. Each individual. I mean, Beal's not getting a vaccine. I know, dude. Well, so that I means as of right that. now, if mandates uh, hold in the various cities, he's not going to be able to play with you guys for five games. <sighs> There's, you got New York, Brooklyn, L.A., and Golden State right now. Yeah, are the three cities in San Fran? Who knows if Sacramento gets one? There's a couple more. It's killing them, and then Michael Porter Jr. for Denver. He's going to miss seven games if the mandates hold. Jesus. So yeah, I had you guys pegged as the tenth seed because with five games without Beal, best case scenario that. is two and three without that. That's yeah. East is already going to be kind of difficult for that yeah. eleven through seven ish range. So <laughs> five games without your best players going to be yeah know, tough, a little tough, a little tough, a little tough. Dale Varley says, a jealous of you West Coast fellas dogging it today after my C's went into double overtime last night. Great yeah, game, and still though. lost. It's still Great lost. game though. It was the Knicks showed up for real. Yeah, both teams game. really played well. That's the thing. It's game one. Everybody's yeah, like right. ah. This is amazing. It's like, a, you know, it's, it's game one. <laughs> two months said, in. Is, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Two months in. I was going to say two months in, you can actually make some sort of assessment as to the tra- trajectory of your team. True. Very true. JT said Jalen Brown is the player Jason Tatum was supposed to be. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I think that's a stretch. Come on. <laughs> he was very upset about the loss last night. In it's game one, one fucking game. <laughs> To a team that's, you know, <laughs> it's going to be pretty decent. Yeah. I mean, RJ Barrett's coming out. Dude, I'm really surprised by Fournier. I thought that was a lost cause. Right. And seeing him bounce back with the Knicks, doing so well with the Knicks, it's been fantastic. Same thing with Julius Randle. Remember, like, the Lakers tossed him off. And here he's landed in the right spot for himself. And he blew up last night, 35 points, 46 minutes. Jesus. So, that's like, you got to give him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like this idea actually. Spike was, I mean that 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 outfit Spike was wearing. God help us, man. It was, uh, it was weird, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It looked like it was extras from Huggy Bear, and I've never watched that show, but that's the first thing I thought of was Huggy Bear. <laughs> um, I was thinking then, Screenslaver from Incredible. Did you see Tracy Morgan like, <laughs> next to him? Oh yeah, 
five huge chains on like whoa okay flexing really hard yeah yeah showing up um, showing out i guess <laughs> apparently so oh did you man. watch the uncharted trailer that dropped yeah i watched it this morning i did a trailer reaction for the channel this morning oh, okay. as soon as it dropped and so yeah and, and the michael bay one but we'll leave off that one but yeah i, I thought it was a good trailer i thought it was a good trailer i didn't i've never played the game so or i've watched shannon my my, my friend play a couple of times but i've never played it myself yeah but i thought overall it was okay it was good um, yeah, it's, I need to see more though. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I've played hmm. uh, four of them. But wow. There's also like addendums too. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. I just played four like uh, eh, about a month ago, but I played the three previous, you know, years ago. Gotcha. Um, and they're fun, but yeah, that trailer was like, I, and plus I remember Tom Holland once uh, shooting hit rap said. I feel like I basically just did uh, action hero poses over and over, and I didn't bring enough to it to develop the character. Like he was talking about himself, not the direction. And I'm like, oh, why would you say that? Yeah, I don't know why you would say that. Um, but it's just like being yeah. around Mark Wahlberg and all that stuff, and I was just felt like I was posing a lot. Um, like, oh, that's not really what Nathan Drake is. Okay, right, right, right. And then yeah. the trailer, it. it Certain moments it looked fine, and other moments it looked cheesy. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I, uh, okay. Hmm. I was holding out hope that maybe we'd finally have a good, you know, or another good uh, video game, yeah, movie. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, Wahlberg is barely in the trailer, and that relationship is apparently really big in the games. And it was nice to see Banderas in there. Better, you know, nice to see him playing an, an antagonist instead of playing a goofy antagonist like he did in Hitman's Bodyguard or The Expendables. It's nice to see him kind of taken a little bit more seriously. And I do like the cast, uh, but I don't know if that guy is if Tom Holland is Nathan Drake. Like I was, I was, I, I posed that question out on when I did the trailer reaction. Like, do you guys think this guy really conveys Nathan Drake? Now I know they're going backwards in time to his beginning and all that, but. Still, I just feel like maybe that's I don't know if it's the right he's the right guy to make you believe that this adventurous I just felt it looked like another Spider-Man movie. I was just I kept mm. waiting for him to put on the costume. Like he's, you know, looking for this one treasure and he's doing all the things he does in the Spider-Man movies as an actor. And I'm just like, eh, this feels very much like Spider-Man movie, just the costume's not there. Yeah, so. I mean, it just popped up on Twitter and I was like, Oh, I'm intrigued, you know, yeah. and wanted to see this and then watched so what was the Michael Bay? It's called Ambulance with Jake Gyllenhaal and Eliza Gonzalez. Um, and I haven't watched it yet because I'm going to do the trailer reaction for it after we record our show. But like, I, I'm i curious. I'm curious to see what it's all. Because I didn't even know he, this movie was coming out. Yeah, so, I didn't uh, heard. Right? Hearing. So when people talk, people tweeted at me about it because they know I'm a hardcore Michael Bay fan. And I was like, what the fuck? This is a movie for real? I thought it was a joke. And then... As soon as I saw it starting and I saw the Bay films, I'm like, oh, shit. So I stopped it right there. I haven't watched it yet, but okay. um, I mean, it's Michael Bay. Well, what do you want to say? Yeah, you, you, got, say? I mean, you got Gyllenhaal. Yeah. So I'm intrigued. What if it's like a 13 hours is it more serious Bay? I could be in on that. Uh, it's part <laughs> of the rest of the canon of Bay. Um, I don't know if it is. Well, with a name like Ambulance, it seems like it could be, but. Yeah. It's it's called it's a, here's the description real quick. Two robbers steal an ambulance after their heist goes awry. That's basically oh. 
<laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Yaya Abdul Mateen the second is in this as well. So where do I know them from? Oh, Yaya Abdul Mateen. He's a Black Manta in Aquaman and oh, Watchmen. He was sure. Doctor Manhattan in the series. I saw the DC fan thing, and everybody's like, "New, oh yeah, fandom, new yeah. Mantis costume." And I'm like, "It's with that head, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me." The helmet itself. It's so, and he's holding it like on the side, and his the the padding <laughs> over the top. He's got like striations and ripples through the fake muscle, and you're like, I okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you you hold still. It's. The helmet is big. That's no lie. It's huge. Yeah. It's like re- cartoonishly big. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. They could have reduced the size a little bit. They easily could have reduced the fucking size yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like, you know, they just transposed the, the cartoon into like a whatever. It, yeah. Uh, I'm holding out hope. Um, <laughs> Me too. I hated the first one. So, well, hated. I, I'm I, just supremely disappointed by it. I, I graded it on a curve. I liked it because compared to other DC films, yeah, it was a step in the right direction. And other that octopus drumming was probably one of the best mo- <laughs> moments in all of movie history. So I don't know what you're shaking your head about. That was... I, I remember that moment, dude, in the theater, in IMAX, sitting next to Perry, and I can't remember who else was, maybe Dennis or somebody. And I'm sitting and I go, you're you gotta be fucking kidding me like that's what i thought immediately because i'm like is this serious or is this not serious because you're making a big deal that it's serious he's running atlanta or he's vying to run atlantis 75 percent of the earth's uh surface covered with water 70 percent. he's gonna run the whole fucking thing and you got an octopus playing drums like what the fuck are we doing here so to me i just didn't understand whether i'm supposed to take it seriously or not yeah and it wasn't like a like you know the to break the tension type of joke. It was like, yeah, we're going to get this all. And I was like, what the fuck? So anyway. I mean, that underwater battle was pretty sweet. Yes. There are some good things about the, about the movie for sure. Like the action sequences are great. And certainly the um, CGI worked really well in the movie. And I think Patrick Wilson is a great villain as Ocean mm. Master. Um, and the rumor is they're going to kind of team up in the sequel to go after another villain. So that could be fun to see Patrick Wilson with Aquaman or with uh, Jason Momoa. And there's those two energies on screen going at it for something. So, you know, I, I hope it's good. I want it to be good. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want it to be bad because what's the fun in that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just not holding out the expectations that it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Cause right now it looks like wonder woman. The first one was kind of an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. Still after or, all this time or Joker. These are these random. I don't even count ones. Joker. Yeah. It's not part it's not- of this world. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's com- something totally different. Yeah. It doesn't tie into this unless they manage to tie it in. But yeah. It, it's set, what, 30 or 40 years before this. So true, true. And yeah. I know we got to jump into the show. Did you get to see, real quick, did you get to see the Batman trailer, the new Batman trailer? Uh, I watched it. I am still on the fence. I wow. don't know. Yeah. Really? I don't Fuck. know. I loved it, man. Really? Okay. I'm sure everybody loved it. I I, I don't know. Batman's so, my favorite, so Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you've you've got a lot to live up to. And at the same time, there's some others in that canon we all obviously know that mm. no one cares about, uh, rightfully. <laughs> um 
True, true. I, de- I definitely think there's something there, but I'm trying not to set any kind of expectation level for it. I just okay. want... Uh, but I did watch it once once it released. And I'm yeah. like, okay, all right. Uh, you know, there's something here. I don't want to see anything else. I will go see it. What's the release date on that? Uh, next year, I think, um, in March? It's a good question. Man, I don't everything just keeps getting dates. pushed, though. Yeah, the Marvel stuff, that was the big news of getting pushed for the movies. Yeah, some of it, like a full year after, and it was already six, eight months out. Just like, yeah. we're, we're kicking that to 23. Like, wow. I think it just says 2022. I know there's a release date. I don't recall. March 4th. Sorry, March 4th, 2022. So, yeah, so not February, March. So, I guess kind of, yeah, I mean, the summer season keeps getting pushed further and further into. It's not a good sign, um, though, is February. it? I, I don't know. It depends on if there's – because there's more studios doing content like this. And now there's these stu- – now studios like Marvel like Marvel and Disney or DC, they're like dropping three or four films a year. So you have to kind of push out the window so that each one of those films has a certain amount of time to own the box office for a few weeks at least before the next one comes. So True. Yeah. Just if you're DC, this is your marquee draw. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So you would think that if it was good, it'd be a tent pole. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just speculation. It's also because of everybody keeping pushing their slate over and over again that it right. has to come out at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes the most sense on that date. Who knows? But we'll see. Yeah. But uh yeah, let's um let's get into the show today. First of all, thanks to all the ten dollar and above patrons who are hanging out with us live. Thank you, Dale Barley, Matthew Simmons, James Petty. You can always chime in. And let us know you're hanging out. Also, drop comments as we go along, counting down our lists. And for those who are uh, $10 and below patrons, uh, you know, you can jump up and hang out with us live every two th- well, every second and fourth Thursday of the month. Uh, we're doing the, this one's different uh, because we had some uh, scheduling issues to work out here. So we're doing back-to-back live shows. But usually it's the second and fourth Thursday of every mm-hmm. month. So if you want to jump up. Feel free to do so. And if you haven't jumped the pay or joined the Patreon, feel free to do so. These are just one of the perks that you get being a part of the Patreon. But today, Matt, we're counting down the top 10 films by a British director, right? Top yes. 10 films by a British director. Um, and how, did we come up with this list because of a British director that's coming out here with a Yeah, movie it's this week? Uh, Edgar Wright's new one, Last Night in Soho. That's right. Last Night in Soho. I'm getting a um, chance to see that on Tuesday night, see if it's any good. So with that coming out, um, decided to go with this list, and it is incredibly difficult. There's, Jesus. It's a murderous row. Yeah. I, I only took one per. Yeah, I think I did that as well. Um, just to keep it fair, because yeah. otherwise there's just too many choices. Yeah. And even then, I mean, legitimately, it's a top 20. Oh, yeah, at least. Exactly. And I'm cutting it off right. at that. Yeah. Um, my list, so I, you know, I do mine in Google Docs. It's in one entire page of director, and I just chose one movie. It's one entire, no spaces, nothing, just one entire page right. <laughs> of going through trying to find every person that I could. It was born, uh, you know, in the UK, and adding them to the list. And I'm sure I missed some people, yeah, because uh, it got a little bit overwhelming. Um, yeah, so there's. So many to choose from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it should make for an interesting list. I'm sure we have a little bit of overlap. Possibly. Uh, do you want to do, because there 
there easily could be a case where we have the same director but different movies. So do you want to save the discussion for the director? Sure. I think you know that what I mean makes in sense. that instance. Yeah, I think that makes sense. We can talk about the two movies at whatever the higher slot is. Yeah. I'll try to and then we'll have to figure out something for the overall list at the end. But uh yeah, so it I mean it makes for a really interesting list. And then when I started to to order it up. There were a few that I was like, I can't believe I'm cutting this, but mm. I know that I will watch this way more. This other yeah. one. Um, or I have already watched it, you know, tenfold over this one. And that mm. trend is just going to continue. So I'm not knocking how amazing that film is. It's just like, I got to figure out a way to winnow down this list. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I did it. But there are some that are just incredible prestige films that I cannot deny how amazing they are. And it's like, I know I look, I've seen that it yeah. is amazing, but I've seen this other one like five times and I know I'm more willing to watch it again. Right. Right. Um, and there's one that you have that I definitely don't. That was a struggle I had um, when I was putting this list together. Cause I'm like, well, I'm, there are ones that I, that I know I must put on just for my own sake of like being a cinephile in my mind. And then there are ones that are favorites. So I kind of combined them and I tried to throw a couple in that were more recent. Okay. Um, and then one I really wanted to throw in that feels like the most British film I've ever seen. But then I found out it's directed by someone who grew up in Michigan. So I was like, what the fuck? So I couldn't put it in. Um, the favorite, which I oh. love. And that's an American director. And I was like, son of a bitch. I can't put that on there. I had that on there for a majority of my list. And then I just started going down the director because I first did movies sure, and then started moving around with the directors and then started, okay, what can I pull out of that? Pull out of there. And I'm really surprised that one particular director does not make my list, even though he's one of the most revered directors in the history of cinema. He does not make my list because I don't go to watch any of his movies at the level that I watch the movies that are on my list. Okay. So that was a that was a kind of a huge surprise for me, to be honest with you. So I like this; it's a good challenge. And some it fans may be upset. Some fans may be on our side. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, it's a push and pull. I just tried to do it on. You know what? I'm gonna. I enjoy that one more. Yeah, it's nothing against this other one. I just know that in my heart of hearts, I enjoy this movie more. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. Not Michigan. He's Greek. Sorry, Jorgens Lanthimos. I was thinking of something else. Um, uh, so I was thinking something else, uh, but yeah, yeah, the favorite Yorgos Lanthimos, he's Greek. Thank you for uh correcting us there, Matthew Simmons. Apologies, apologies, apologies. I, I never, I mean, what was the film? I can't remember the film. It happens for the longest time. I thought Gore Verbinski was from somewhere in Europe and he's from like <laughs> yeah. down south. I uh, put it with a name like Gore Verbinski, yeah. Like how it's, I just assumed, you know, yeah, he, he's doing the new pirates, and I was like, oh, some. Up and coming <laughs> European director. All right. Oh, we're doing that. Oh, uh, and then uh, looked him up, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's we settled on uh, uh, you know films by British directors, mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. our individual top ten lists. And then uh, I do some, John does some, and then we can combine ours to make the shows at the end. So there we go. Yeah, and I apologize ahead of time. There is no bongos because I'm in the hotel. They did not bring the bongos with me. But uh, we'll do our best on the table here. So yeah, we'll make it work. Yeah. Um. All right. So at ten, yes, I have twelve years a slave. 
Oh, great choice. By Steve He's Le- British? Really? Uh, yeah. I, didn't, I, I, know, I thought he was an African-American man. Oh. Well, Okay. He is, but I'm pretty sure yeah, he's yeah. British. Well, he's not African-American if he's, you know, if he's British. Yeah. London, England. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, 1969. Steve Rodney McQueen. Hello. Uh, you like his movies, though. You like Shame. You like 12 Years a Slave. Respect, man. Uh, well, this and Hunger. Oh, Hunger. Right, my two right. favorites. Hunger. Yes, yes. But Hunger comes down to really the one scene with uh, Fassbender and uh, is it Cole Meany? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From uh, Next Generation. Yeah, yeah, Cole and meat. layer cake and a whole bunch of other stuff. But the two of them having a discussion, I think, is singularly the greatest scene in that movie. Whereas mm-hmm. Twelve Years a Slave has numerous of them to me. Mm-hmm. I have watched that one. Uh, unlike some other prestige that I cut off, yeah. I have watched that one a few times now. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I just find it. I find it arresting, mm. where I get sucked in, and then I put myself into this world of what would this be like? You were one thing, and then yeah. Yeah, suddenly, suddenly your world does not exist anymore mm-hmm. and you're living hell on earth. Yeah. And the reality, the day to day of that, when he like proves that his engineering background to Cumberbatch and uh, Paul Dano gets upset because he's an idiot, mm-hmm. but he doesn't like being upstaged by a slave right. in his mind. So he comes back to pay retribution on him and, <clears throat> Uh, Chuato, uh, yeah, Edgewood Forest. I can't remember the, the name of it. Yeah. Uh, his character, um, stands Solomon. up to him. When I, yeah. What's that? Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. 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 Stands up to him and just uh, comes, you know, the look of disgust and outrage on Paul Dano's face. Yeah. Uh, he does that between there and, uh, there will be blood. Yeah. <laughs> it said you brought up petulant earlier. He is v- so good at playing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gear is very much in him. It, it is. It it so much is. And perhaps it's a case of they, you know, a lot of times they say the guys that guys or women or whoever the case is that play villains a lot mm-hmm. are the nicest people. Yeah. So perhaps it's just something that's so not them they can channel into it readily. Right. Uh, right, right. Perhaps that's the case for Dano. I don't know, but he plays that type of petulant child so well. Yeah. But it's, it's just a series of, and then having to be uh, sold off because Solomon's become a problem mm-hmm. over to fast benders. And you're like, you thought it was bad before. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here's the worst of it. Well, this is why I can't go back and watch it multiple times. Totally respect that you can. It it, it messed me up and I've seen it twice total. And I, after the second time, I was like, I don't think I ever need to see this movie again because it's just so heartbreaking and horrific. And this idea and frustrating because this idea of like being tricked into this life um, because of the situation that you're in as a black man and these white men kind of, you know, you don't have the agency to necessarily push back or whatever. And you kind of get caught up. And then all of a sudden you're completely in this twilight zone dimension of your life all of yeah. a sudden. And it's like, well, how do you get out of it? And you try and you have to go through all this madness and witness all this madness. Um, and then finally, the day comes where you get liberated. And that moment is a great scene when he's liberated. My God. And Lupita oh. Nyong'o like fainting or whatever. And um, Fassbender losing it the way he is. And it's just oh, yeah. it's brilliant because he knows it's been a power struggle between him and Solomon on his own plantation. And the fact that Solomon gets to leave on his own terms drives him insane because he wins. He It's the ultimate victory in that moment. And Fassbender is just out of his well, mind, you know? 
Fassbender has to do those to those that he's enslaved, like right. <clears throat> find a Bible passage that justifies him being a monster. And that almost seems like it's just catharsis for him. Oh yeah. Of absolving himself of the sin. Yeah. That he is committing on a, a you know, second by second basis. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so to see his, the artifice of that crumble and yeah. then when Solomon gets reunited with his family, it's, it's akin to when oh. Tom Hanks comes back from castaway and he apologizes. Yeah. When he shows up and sees his family and he's like, I'm so sorry type right. of this, you know, it's not your fault, but right. you're carrying the the guilt of this some for some reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, and I've gone back for very specific scenes. I've, I don't mm. know that Respect. one, usually a movie like that. I agree with you. It's just like, I've seen it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Requiem for a dream. I've seen oh. it twice. I'm yeah. good. I'm fucking never, good. I know. Steve tries to pitch that every once in a while in Cinefiles. I'm like, I'm not going to do it, dude. I respect you. Not going to yeah. do it. I have done it. There are yeah. m- numerous movies like that. It's like, I have seen yeah. it. It's never going away. I'm going to remember it, but I'm good. Whereas <laughs> for some reason, 12 Years a Slave, I just can't That's good, not though. watch it. Yeah. Respect. Oh, what's your nine? Uh, my nine is Man on Fire by Tony Scott. <laughs> That's a great choice, dude. Love it. Go Look, ahead. There are other prestige films. Yes. That are, you could say, qualitatively or probably a better film. Yes. But Man on Fire, when I was looking at it, I was like, first off, Tony Scott's got three or four that are all legit. Listen, I had to fight to keep Top keep, Gun off my list. I had I'm, to fight myself. I figured you might if uh, Tony Scott War. was going to make it. Yeah, for me, it was Man on Fire or Days of Thunder, but Man on Fire, I prefer <laughs> Those are my two days. I've loved Days of Thunder. It's so awful. It's fantastic. It is awful. It's awful. It's not a good movie, but it's an amazingly great movie at the same time. You get in that cow, you going to die. Dude, rubbing is racing. Rubbing is racing. Uh, but Man on Fire, it's like I, there are others, and hopefully they make your list, that are 11, 12, 13, 14, and so on and so forth, that are mm-hmm. all amazing films. Mm-hmm. And some of them won Oscars or Oscar-worthy, you know, Oscar performances and everything right. else. I'm just like, yeah, but I know I'm going to watch Man on Fire way more oh, than yeah. any of those other movies. And I've already seen it more. Yeah. And I will happily watch that over them right now. Yeah. Um. So if we're just talking about my personal list, are we saying the 10 greatest of all time? Well, I don't know even how you come up with that list, to be perfectly honest. You know what I mean? If you were like trying to say, you know, some snotty, this is the greatest film and this right. is the second greatest film. It's like, I, it's all opinion based. But for me, I'm, I love Man on Fire, just like you do. And mm-hmm. it's a good revenge retribution movie where yeah, he is a down on his luck, alcoholic, former what is he former secret service i think so yeah former secret service but he's like bodyguard now yeah some stuff has gone down in the past and now he's a bodyguard CIA. former cia operative yeah to a little girl in mexico yeah and it's basically to prevent uh rich people from getting kidnapped for ransom money it's not to, to hurt them it's just to get a big chunk of cash right um there's an entire cottage industry in south america for this in certain areas yeah uh so having a guard detail, you know, makes sense for certain echelons of people that have a tremendous amount of wealth. So he is hired to protect the little girl and then she gets kidnapped and it's just him basically trying to remedy everything that he's done in his past for yeah. this one individual that he feels is untainted and 
something good in this world that should be fought for as opposed mm. to all the terrible people like her father. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, the, I mean, the methodical way there's a million different, the grenade or whatever it is up. Oh my God. That's the one. That's uh, the moment for me. For me, it's the finger cut off with the cigarette lighter. <laughs> Cause that one's something that we can all identify with of possibly yeah. happening. Whereas C4 or whatever it is uh, up the deuce hole. I, that one is more movie related to me. Whereas, That's full on revenge, man. That's uh, full on revenge. Beyond, above and beyond. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's, you know, Ugh. basically it's like seeing Jaws. Yeah. And just knowing that it doesn't matter the barriers that I put up. He's that, that fucking shark is still coming. <laughs> uh, so I chose Man on Fire at number nine for me. I like it, man. I mean, this is so funny. This is a film that, like, he won the Oscar for Training Day, and then he didn't do much, like, that caught that much attention. John Q, Antoine Fisher, out of time. And it wasn't until Man on Fire came in that people were like, oh, yeah, this is the Denzel that we know. And then he goes on a little bit of a mini run here with uh, Manchurian Candidate, with Inside Man, Deja Vu, American Gangsters, or Gangster, rather. Even taking a Pelham one, two, three, Book of Eli, Unstoppable, Safe House, Flight. So Man, those are, that's a nice little run to, until, until, and then Equalizer, even, dude. I would give Equalizer some love as well. Uh, let's be I honest. Like Queen Latifah is really taking that over. Oh, and it's hers now. I, I get <laughs> no comment. I love during all these sporting events, the promos for shows I'm never going to watch. Uh, <sighs> Look, I get it. Look, I get it, right? You want to, but. I don't know. There's certain moments. There are certain things you're just like, my suspension of disbelief can only go so far in this one. Oh, yeah. I just, there's no way. Queen Latifah's. I love Queen Latifah. Respect Queen Latifah to to the nth degree. But watching those fight scenes with her, I watched a couple episodes, trying to give it a shot. Did you really? I'm like, uh, this, this, is, this is, woof, man. There's no way. She's so slow. And I'm like, there's no way this person is handling what we're handling here. So I don't know. Just my personal opinion. Um, and I'm not trying to be any kind of just saying it just doesn't work for me. That's all. Um, all right. So what's your eight, bro? My eight is uh Holy Grail, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, dude, go ahead. It's, I know I had to cut it. I had to cut it. And I, was I left it on myself. It's basically the only comedy represented on this. Mm. Uh, technically, there's one other that's a comedy and drama. Oh, yeah. Maybe I should have thrown a comedy on here. Fair point. Everything's so fucking serious on my list. Yeah. I didn't want everything to be super serious and be like, Fair yeah, but point. I love comedies, too. It's just. Yeah. More of the comedies that I hold higher just have come from American directors. Yeah, I don't think uh, the Brits. The Brits are funny, but I don't. But it's I don't know that like besides Monty Python that there've been movie wise. You no. know, movie wise, right? Yeah, knockdown or uh, fall down, laugh out loud type funny movies. But yeah, I'm like Fish Call Wanda, but that's essentially a Monty Python film in the '80s. Essentially, it is. Uh, yeah. And I that's on my side list yeah but then i also kind of tried to take into account if the director had a big enough canon of work right sorry i gotta uh plug in my i forgot to plug in the battery on my computer i just get the notice in my dry yeah, no worries Go ahead. um yeah for i mean for python we we've talked about it so many times over the years yeah and you know i'm giving the credit to terry jones terry gilliam is also co-credited but he did all the animation and whatnot in it right um and those aren't my favorite parts of that. There are some good animations in that, unlike oh, uh, sure. some of the other Monty Pythons, where I think it's just kind of it's fine. Uh, yeah. Whereas in this one, I do think it adds quite a bit at certain times. Mm -hmm. But uh, t 
Terry Jones has always been one of my favorite Python. He's not it's the more heralded of them. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked him. He seemed like a likable guy. He did a great series on uh, ancient Rome. Right. Yes. I watched uh, that, yeah, some I've of that. Yeah. Those watched all of those. Those are really good. Like I've always, I've always liked him. Mm-hmm. So I figured, Hey, why not? Plus he just passed in the, you know, not too distant, uh, yeah. not too long ago during all this COVID nonsense. Yeah. Um, he had dementia, man. I don't know if he saw that. There was a, he accepted an award with his son. If you want to fucking cry, Watch that speech. He is literally in dementia, and his son is up there speaking for his father, and Terry's kind of not understanding what's happening or half out of it. And you're just like, fuck, for a guy who was so on top of things, so intelligent, so smart, so all that, to see what the ravages of dementia can do to somebody, it just really is heartbreaking, man. And I hadn't seen it quite like that in real life. Yeah. Um, for him. And I agree with you, dude. And I love that he used to battle with Cleese because Cleese was such a fucking ponce half the time he was with. He's the Chevy Chase of Britain. Like he just thinks he's so much better than everybody else. So the fact that Terry Jones was always taking him down a peg, which used to piss Cleese off all the time, was brilliant because Terry never needed to be showy about his intelligence. He always just was. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so Cleese was always trying to prove himself. And I think that was great to that he was the one that was always the thorn in Cleese's side. Yeah, I always like that about Python is they you could all lump them in as the same and yet they all had unique uh-huh. yeah. individual personalities. Yeah. Um, because it'd be very simple to yeah, we're all kind of uh, like minded type of yeah. individuals, which is true in some regard. Yeah. Uh but you could I like them all for various reasons. Yeah, they're like the Beatles of comedy. Each of them went off and were were good solo, but when they were together they were great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. All right. So that's my eight. What okay. do you got? All right. So let me pull up my list. So my number 10 is, oh my God, come on. My number 10 is, ah, Shakespeare in Love. That's right, Matt. No, Shakespeare in Love. Number 10. <sighs> directed all the by movies. British director John Madden. One of my favorite, favorite movies. One I go back to and watch all the time because I am a theater fucking kid. Um, and I love Shakespeare madly. Uh, and so... I really enjoyed this movie. Absolutely think it deserved to win Best Picture over Private Ryan. And it's a film I always go back to. And I am I never lose the joy of it. There's an innocence and a sweetness to the film about this guy and a reverence. And just, it's all so good. And Judy Dench is great in the film. It's one of the best performances Paltrow's ever done. Uh, and overall, and even Affleck works in this movie, which shouldn't work. And Jeffrey Rush is sure. great. And Joseph Fiennes, who never really is probably never going to achieve the level that his brother has. No, not even close at this point. Right. But he's good in this film. He's perfect as Shakespeare. And I, I think it works also well. And it's a great romance. It's a great romance. So, yeah, it's just because I'm a huge theater kid and I love this film. And I don't know, you know, just works for me on so many levels. Maybe. Yeah. I need to see it again. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just went in uh, all the hype around it. And, and- yeah her winning and everything else. It's just like, there's no, yeah. I've always held a grudge against it as dumb as that is, but it's like, it's not even the same competition, the same level to me. I get it, man. I've never seen how green was my Valley because they chose that over citizen Kane for best picture. That is childish as fuck, but, but I, I need to watch it. So I hear what you're saying, but we all have that thing, man. Yeah. We all have things over certain movies. Um, but then there's a lot of people who don't like the movie or get upset about it because it'd be Private Ryan. But I'm like, yeah, the film deserved it. It's a complete film. Private Ryan 
you know me and me and you we disagree on this but it, it falls off the cliff after the first 30 minutes in my opinion yeah that's fine uh, you know uh, but yeah this is great you know and yeah paltrow won but she shouldn't have won it should have been kate blanchett for elizabeth uh, i'll never back down on that one but overall i think it's a damn good movie and i love it so um all right so then my number nine is ex machina from alex garland oh shit i didn't have him on my list at all so i missed mm. him in my looking through great great choice thanks man yeah I, I i've gone back to watch this movie more and more recently there's the dialogue. You know, put aside the sci-fi stuff. Put aside the CGI of her looking the way she looks or special effects. It's the dialogue here that is the attraction of the movie. Mm-hmm. The the weirdness is there, but the, the the interactions about humanity, about someone discovering humanity from the outside, what it means, and then the twists and turns and the tricks um, coupled with the weird dancing moments and the weird kind of exchanges of whether he's in – a real place or not and what he's experiencing and then what happens at the end to him i'm just this is just a genius of a movie that could be seen as almost a horror film even though it's a sci-fi film because of what ends up happening at the end of the movie um and i think it's brilliant and oscar isaac yet again showing that like he is an unusual actor you cannot typecast or put oscar isaac in a box even though he's a latino actor he's able to do so many different things and yeah. that isn't the first thing you think of when you see him, that he's Latino. And it's brilliant. So um, this film just works so well for me, man. So, I mean, <coughs> he's basically, since he was kind of announced, announced, so to speak. Yeah. Like Once he came up, he has been consistently working because even if you don't like the project, he's always good in it. Oh, yeah. Um, like Inside Lewin Davis, I don't get it. It's yeah, basically too, like but... the only Cohen film that I don't get. Yeah. Uh, well, Hail Caesar, but I, I at least find Hail Caesar enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, but his performance in Lewin Davis is really yeah. good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ex Machina, it's, it's a great exploration of a uh, philosophical d- debate of mm-hmm. what is humanity, what is a soul. Right. Um, also, gender politics it, back to yeah. you as well. Yeah. And the depravity of man from Oscar Isaac's perspective. Right. This idea that he's creating these like robots or these versions and there've been multiple versions and they're all, I mean, it it just stands in for men who do this to women, how they like are trying to essentially control or create their perfect woman in their minds and all of that. So there's so much symbolism through the movie as you watch it and it gets deeper the more you watch it, in my opinion. So um, it's grown. And, uh, my estimation oh, and i liked uh, annihilation but uh, it hasn't a, it doesn't have the same pull yeah, for me that, that, that uh ex machida yeah yeah it's good it's um, super than, interesting but yeah like, yeah yeah also oscar isaac right in that movie yeah he uh, plays natalie portman's husband right yeah husband yeah um okay so then my number eight is uh one of matt nost's favorites is probably a punt topsy-turvy i would imagine that is a punt yeah, I knew it would be. I knew that is a punt. Be. I'm surprised it made your list, to be honest. I love that movie. I, I know you do, and I totally I don't want to step on your no, 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 loving no. of the I just figured that movie, it's but I'm going to make room for other movie, things. So. It's just like, uh, no, oh, there's, no, no. there's so many movies. Because um, there's yeah. actually two that I don't have that I assumed you were going to have. Mm. Um, we shall see. Pretty sure. One for sure. One is going to be your number one. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. You can guess already, uh, huh? All right. 
Well, I still haven't seen it. Oh, so I, right. Fair. I can't okay. give an assessment of it. And then I thought about taking another of his, but I was like, yeah, but I watch all these others over that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yes. Topsy turvy is a punt. <laughs> okay. What's your seven? Uh, my seven. Um, it's the one that I chose from him in essence. Okay. Uh, rear window. Yeah, dude, this is the director I'm talking about. You didn't, didn't take make any? my list. None of them. I just don't find myself drawn to his movies at the level that other people are. I enjoyed them. I certainly enjoyed them. I I love Vertigo, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, where I'm at right now with him, with his stuff, I just don't put that on the list, but please go ahead, man. Rear window. See, I think rear window, it made my list because it's such a simple film Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with a small set, a small cast of characters, but it's really about one man who is stuck in his apartment and the basically the psychological thrill and ultimate terror yeah it comes from him trying to be a gumshoe from afar <laughs> uh but the simplicity of the story and the amount of tension that hitchcock rings from it oh yeah has always been the most impressive to me because the others you've got you know like, like vertigo or something you big sets and yeah, you're yeah. moving you know it's it's there's a lot of frenetic pace and this kinetic energy uh, and this is just a man with a broken leg sitting in his apartment and the terror that he gets, like he f- feels like he witnesses a crime and then trying to yeah. figure out who did it and everything else. And when you see that shadow mm. underneath his door, it's, I still, I, I didn't watch this until like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Mm. And it still got me. Yeah. Um, it's a testament to how well crafted that is because it just works in a modern through a modern lens. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter that you're used to a quicker pace because the slow, when, when it's done well, a la like 12 angry men, yeah, yeah. the pace is perfect for the subject matter. Yeah. Uh, and I think it just works so beautifully with this. And I chose it for that. It's like, you could remake it. They tried. Um, yeah. But I think real. the original yeah. is still just as good. So there's no point. Uh, yeah. The, you know, we've seen people get caught in movies but I don't know if there's ever been a moment where you're gonna get where you get caught, like Raymond Burr slowly looking up to realize that it's Jimmy Stewart's been watching him the whole time. His and he sees Jimmy Stewart seeing it in the camera and him just slowly moving up his face to look right at, like literally through the soul of Jimmy Stewart's character in the in the movie. I think it was it was brilliant, just brilliant to see that happen. So. I was a big fan of that moment for sure. And I think it's a damn good movie. Um, um, yeah, but it's just not what I run back to and watch all the time. Vertigo, if anything was going to be in contention, it would have been Vertigo. But this one, I just, uh, I've seen a couple of times I'm, I'm, and I get it, but, uh, and it's a damn good movie, but I just don't find myself watching it over and over again. Uh, all right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. James Petty did say, though, I would take Rebecca from Hitchcock. Uh, good memories from watching that one. And Matthew Simmons uh, chiming in with Matt Rear Window is probably my favorite Hitchcock as well. That or Rope. Yeah, Rope is great. Rope uh, is I haven't seen play. I haven't seen Rope yet. Oh, okay. Rope is, is that is in essence a play. It's all in yeah. one room, basically. So yeah, it's a good film. Though. And that was the one where it's like uh supposed to be one continuous, even though there are cut points, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it's presented, uh, you know, kind of like Birdman or something, where it's supposed to be right under the guise of one continuous. Be like, ah, yeah, but in when this person walks in front of the camera, that's your cut point, and then right, yeah. 
Uh, anyway, all right. So that was my seven. My okay. six, maybe a punt. Okay. Uh, which is 1917. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I may have to move. Oh, well. No, so I have that to over stay Skyfall. True. Yeah, I have to stay true. Okay. 1917, you take it. Uh, but it's it's my uh, Mendez is my six, so we can just uh talk about it anyway. So because I I chose okay, Skyfall. yeah, we'll just talk about both then. Yeah, I chose Skyfall. You chose Skyfall? I should have chose 1917, but I'm gonna stick with Skyfall. Sky, yeah, I it's those two for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um he's had other movies that I like, one mm-hmm. I hate, but then American Beauty. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. We're paper bags in the wind, man. Oh, it's... <laughs> Anyway, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Like but it's just my frustration with it boils into such a simplistic disgust. Mm-hmm. And I've had more than one person reach out on Twitter and something and be like, that's just lazy criticism. Be like, I can't even <laughs> encapsulate in words how much I dislike that movie. <laughs> lazy criticism. Yeah. To say I, I find it pretentious and uh. <laughs> I don't find any of the characters enjoyable. Right, I want them right. all to fail. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, I remember one guy gave me a scathing, like long, numerous part tweet. And I was like, I don't even fucking care, man. Oh yeah. I, I, usually, I usually block those guys. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't, mute those I guys. don't block anybody. I might yeah. mute, but I don't block. It's yeah. just like, I don't want to give you the satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Mute. You don't know. And that's fine <laughs> by me. We've never met. Why do you think I need to hear your 10 tweet uh, tirade or review of anything. Yeah. Well, I don't fucking know you from Adam. Like, but, uh, you're entitled to your opinion. Of course. But to flat out like go on some filibuster as to why yeah. I'm an idiot and just think thing. I would read it, right? Well, and yeah. think that I would go, you know what? <laughs> this guy who's been yelling at me on Twitter yeah. through 10 tweets is probably right. Now you My put opinion it that way. is wrong. <laughs> Uh, your experience in that movie is utterly incorrect. Be like, I'm pretty sure that's the only experience I could possibly have had. I th- I th- I, yeah, I, I think when they, my favorite is when they do it without punctuation, and then you're like, "Fuck you!" I'm not going to try to figure out what you're saying. Well, I, you lazy sack of shit. I, I, yeah, I like that the punctuation is the straw that broke the camel's back. When in reality, it was everything about it. <laughs> it's true, but the punctuation is really like the end of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought about Skyfall because there's also taking over the mantle of an established property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I went with 1917 because, yeah, you know, there have been numerous war films, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but to do it under the guise of this single shot and how yeah. beautifully it's done and the movie begins and you're descending into the trenches and then when it ends, you're finally elevating out of the trenches. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just the the tension and pacing of it, I think, is so beautiful to watch. Mm. Uh, the cinematography is next level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to, to have the wisdom to put it on the shoulders of two relatively unknown actors, too. Yeah. 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 To have cameos from larger people be like, it's really about the story of these individuals as opposed to the prestige product or prestige mm. film for specific actor. Uh so yeah, that's why I went with seventeen. But Skyfall was in discussion, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, I mean it's my favorite Bond film, and mm-hmm. I guess having finished watching the last of the Daniel Craig Bond films, I have a kind of a soft spot now, even more so for 
the five films that he did. And Skyfall is just, there's just something about it that is transcendent out of that particular franchise to me. You, you yeah. almost, it almost isn't a Bond film. It's so beyond what we've seen before. And I get really mad, and I know I shouldn't, but I get really mad when people say, oh, it's not that good, or it's not the great, it's it's okay, or it's not even that, you know, shouldn't even be in the conversation. And I'm like, I don't understand what the fuck. You shouldn't have trying to pitch me those 60s films that are beyond outdated. To, and compare it to Skyfall, you're insane. It's just a great story. It's a brilliant, expansive story. You get the stuff with Javier Bardem coming in. This mm-hmm. that whole scene where he takes the thing out of his mouth. The possible homosexual overtones there. Ain't no uh, possible about okay, it. Okay, fine. <laughs> the homosexual overtones. Uh, is this something we hadn't really seen, like kind of um, highlighted in a Bond film? I'm sure maybe been illusions or whatever, but it, we didn't seem really like on point like he is. Only I can think of there was a Roger Moore where two of the henchmen were a gay couple. Mm. I want to say it's in Live and Let Die. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, what I like about Bardem's, it doesn't. The character isn't evil because he's gay, right? It's more so like, uh, "Hey, you into this?" Yeah, right. He's playing. He's playing all these different angles at the same time that it's almost impossible to pin down. And then you have the awesome final sequence at night at that castle with fire and fucking lakes and everything. It just is brilliant. And so I I, agree. I probably should have put 1917 on the list over Skyfall, but it's really one A and one B for me. And I, and I think, and I can defend Skyfall until I'm dead for how, how well Mendes directs that film. And like I said, transcends the genre and look following Casino Royale after quantum solace, you know, it's tough. It's tough to one up Casino Royale. And I think he really does in, in yeah. Skyfall. And I don't think anything that has come after Skyfall has come close to Skyfall either. It's just it's just such a fucking good movie. Yeah. And I think the reason people may say it's not the best or something is because they have a previous three decades of this is my expectation right. from this franchise. Right, right, right. And this meets a lot of that, but also deviates quite a bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some people like Spectre over Skyfall because it's more of the old school kind of Bond approach to things. So, yeah, yeah, but it's just not a good movie. It's okay. It's not great, but I hear you. I hear you. I don't want to watch it again. Uh, <laughs> That's true. And I'm willing to watch quite a few Bonds and I just Spectre's fine. I'll watch that over Quantum of Solace, but I'll take Skyfall or Casino Royale like, yeah. or the Timothy Dalton's or oh, yeah. select uh, Sean Connery's or Roger Moore's or. Mm-hmm. Still, still veering away from the Pierces, but I think Quantum of Solace is the only one of his that I don't go back to watch. I like Spectre, and I uh, and I I think also another reason I like Spectre is because Leah Sadu. I think she's that woman is fucking gorgeous, man. And seeing her in that movie, I'm just like, oh, she's beautiful, dude. Yeah, that goes a long way with me in some films. Um, all right, so then my number seven, right? Because that was your six, yeah. nineteen seventy. My number seven then is uh, Chariots of Fire. You knew it had to be okay. list. Go for it. Right. That's Sir Hugh Hudson. He directed it. This is my, this, I've said this a million times. If you know me or follow me or listen to me in other shows, this film I watched when I was 11 years old, 10 years old, and it just put the hick, hook in me big time. And the religious aspect of it, I come from a uber religious family in terms of my dad. And, and so this idea and wanting to prove myself as a Latino, as mm-hmm. a fat kid, like there's so much about the film that appeals to me about like 
proving people wrong and and um, turning the haters around and doing whatever and letting that motivate you to create the things that you want to create in life. And so there's so much of that. But then you have, which is the 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 Harold Abrams part of it with Ben Cross, but then you have the Ian Charlson part, which is a guy who was born into this religious family and he's very much like uh, going against them to be a runner and they're kind of, uh, you know, the, the family split between whether he should be doing this or not. That's how dedicated they are to their missionary stuff. So it's so interesting to see these two men of deep faith, one Jewish, one Christian or Catholic, and how they find their way to become these incredible runners and what they have to overcome and what obstacles that are both self-made and outside themselves they have to overcome to achieve the things that they do um, in the end. So it's a great story. It's a brilliant story. It's well-directed. And I'm an Anglophile, so I love this. It's such an uber-British film. Okay. I love it to pieces. So there you go. That's what I'll say. Um, all right. Well, that was both our bottom fives. <laughs> I don't have I much. It. There you go. I, yeah, I don't have much to add. I don't dislike the movie. I just don't right. ever go back to rewatch it. So that I, it's on my side list along with countless other directors. But I knew Fair it was enough. never in serious contention for, for my list. <laughs> all right. Uh, still intrigued. Go ahead. What you were saying? You. Uh, yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. Hear this word from our sponsor. We'll be right back to do our top fives after this. All right. There we go. There are our bottom fives. We're jumping into our top five. My five then is the punt from you earlier, Topsy Turvy. Oh, wow. Only five. I thought for sure it'd be up near the two or three mark, but all right. Go ahead. There's, there's some real heavy hitters. Okay. We have yet to get okay. to. Okay. And, uh, we're definitely not going to have. Well, one of them I know you don't have of my top five, okay. for sure, hundred percent. Okay. Um, but topsy turvy. I mean, we talked about it last week because I was first yeah, off yeah. watching it again. Yeah. It's. I, you don't have to like theater. I've never. I haven't been in a play since I was a kid, and those don't mm. count as plays because you're a kid. Right, you know what right. I mean? The rehearsal was during school time type of thing like this isn't something that i invested a lot of time and effort into right so i have no real understanding of that world outside of i've done some acting and and a lot of performing but to see how something like that gets built from the ground up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the little mini battles and the egos and the push and pull from so many different directions and to come out the other side with a play that's now held up for uh, 140 years ish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still around, still getting performed and revived and replayed. Mm-hmm. I just saw one, uh, the Mikado like three years ago mm. um, in, uh, I think it was Atwater village has a playhouse and it was okay. really good. It's like there's their modern spin on it. Um, so it's, I find it fascinating. Plus I like anything Basically, it's about actors where yeah. it seems like it's honest. Right, right, right. right. Um, just a behind the scenes. Any Anytime there's that, uh, you know, movies about the industry, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of. Right on. So, uh, yeah. Anything you want to add from our discussion from last no, week? I think, yeah, we discussed it pretty well last week. Great stuff. It's a three-hour film. It doesn't feel like a three-hour film at all. And if you're even remotely interested in a uh, period pieces or remotely interested in theater type films this film is will speak your language and don't be overwhelmed by the three-hour runtime it really goes way faster yeah. than you think because it's so entertaining and there's such great characters and there's real drama and conflict 
uh, between Gilbert and Sullivan that I think is really great to explore. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so then my number five is uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, Henry V. Go for it. Yeah, that is that is a film that I I remember watching it at that time in my life where I was kind of opening the door to really falling in love with movies and expanding my love of movies beyond the American movies. And so, okay. um, uh, and of course, being a huge Shakespeare kid since I was 10 years old, it was something that I really kind of couldn't believe was was made into film. And I read all the reviews on it that were in EW and other places. And it was only showing in like two or three theaters at the time. So I drove to DC to watch this thing. And I just remember being absolutely transfixed as I watched this movie and this young actor and what he was able to create, build and do with this film. And, and um, you know, I know Olivier had done such a great version himself, but this was a little more kind of like um, capturing the essence of the original play whereas the other whereas olivier's was used to kind of rally people around world war ii rally england around world war ii this was more about exploring the tragedy of henry's story and him letting go of the of the uh, perils of his youth to embrace his destiny uh, embrace what he had to do as king and i think it's great plus the fight sequences which we now kind of see all the time in the mud and the dirt that was revolutionary when he did it back in the 90s uh, showing that kind of honesty in a battle sequence um, like he has uh, with the Agincourt battle. Plus, you know, getting such great actors that I'd never seen before do such brilliant work with Shakespeare, both on the French side and the English side of things was great. Then you get Paul Schofield in there and you get uh, Brian Blessed in there. And so actors that you've seen before, uh, which was nice to see throughout the movie. But uh, the power of the film is undeniable for me. And it's one I go back to all the time. So that's why it's my five. Uh, yeah. When I watched it, I still found Shakespeare impenetrable. Fair enough. So, um, had I waited a few years because then I, I, I don't know why, what clicked, but like the first time I saw mm. much do about nothing, another Brana. Yeah. That would have been my choice. Uh, I put him down on the side, but that one, I, I understood the rhythm. Mm-hmm a little bit better. And now I, I'm much better at being able to decipher what is being expressed. Yeah. As opposed to the first time that I saw. um, Oh yeah. It could be a difficult film. If you don't like, if you're not aware and understand Shakespeare, it could be a very difficult film um, because of the way they speak certain sequence, certain sections of the text as if it's something you should already know. And so that makes it hard for you. I mean, it took me a while when I watched it, over and over and over again to understand the references they were making, especially the priests right at the beginning mm. with this whole history of the land and all this kind of shit. So yeah, I get it, dude. Trust me. Um, all right. What's your four? Uh, my four is the one that you're not going to have. Okay. Uh, which is Donnie Brasco from Mike Newell. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Look, uh, <laughs> I've watched it twice during pandemic. Oh, nice. Good movie. I have, I, I love Donnie Brasco. Yeah. Um, I've watched it. I don't know how many countless times over my life. <laughs> I will continue to watch Donnie Brasco. I love it. Um, I like the idea of, of Pacino going from the blustery over the top in command gangster to yeah. the one that's like fifth banana and a crew, <laughs> mm-hmm. not even fifth banana overall. Yeah. Um, as a part of the overall hierarchy. Now, eventually, Sonny Black gets bumped up, but he, he becomes does. like a, a capo or something. He doesn't get, he's not even running the family. 
Right. Uh, it's when what Gotti takes over and Sonny Black gets bumped up and then they take out Sonny Red, whatever. It's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but the just the back and forth between Pacino and Depp, it's part of this run for Depp of me, for me rather, where it's like, man, it, it's interesting choice after interesting choice. I like, mm-hmm. you know, I like this a lot. I like this a lot for a guy that j- went from 21 Jump Street straight to Edward Scissorhands yeah. to, oh, you're just going to do quirky, weird characters because Ed Wood was not too long after that as well. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're like, okay, this could be pigeonhole. And then to see him branch out and do something like a Donnie Brasco, like, oh, there's the scope yeah. and the number of characters that he is able to bring to life. Yeah. Um, plus, yeah, I'd like, Entering the mob world instead of from the heights, mm-hmm. from the foot soldier perspective, right. like the first time he shows up and uh, Donnie gets introduced as a friend of theirs, not a friend of ours, mm-hmm. but saying, you know, he's a cool guy, but he's not, you know, one of us. Right. But he's got that mustache and whatnot. And Sonny Red and his son walk up and uh, Sonny Red's going to have my fucking money and he just walks away. And he's like, I just shit my pants <laughs> to see Al Pacino, who usually is the lion in these situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Um, yeah. Over and over and over again, how he browbeats his wife, but yet still loves her like yeah. cooking and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just a million points in that movie that I just no, you, I love. You make an excellent point. I mean, this idea of going in through the foot soldier accent, which, which we essentially do in Goodfellas, but the difference is here is in Goodfellas, he's a rising star. In this, yeah. he's not. And so yeah. it makes it even more of an honest assessment of what a majority of these guys probably have as an existence until they die. Until they're killed or they die is this idea of like being part. That's why I love the Sopranos. There's a lot of foot soldiers in the Sopranos yeah. who are never going to be boss. Uh, and when Silvio gets to be boss, he's a fucking mess. He has a panic attack and nervous breakdown. So it's like, there's a reason certain people are the boss and certain people are foot soldiers. And so I, I enjoy that very much in, in the film. And cause, cause Donnie in essence kind of almost becomes the rising star. Oh, he does. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, and when, much to, yeah, he gets uh, Florida. chagrin in line and opens up down there and he's a real earner. That's the other, you know, uh, saddening thing about it is lefty is a loser. Yeah. Right. And he brings in Donnie and they have a genuine friendship, but Donnie eclipses him eventually because of that friendship that they created. Right. It means lefty has to die and Sonny black has to die and everybody around them has to die now. Yeah. Because lefty decided to be friends with Donnie Brasco and, the look on Donnie's face, like right before everything goes to hell. It's, it's you ever think about that boat? You just uh, <laughs> don't tell him anything. Don't yeah. tell him anything, Donnie. Don't say nothing. Forget about it. Forget about it. With Tim Blake Nelson and Paul Giamatti <laughs> and that FBI scene. Yes. What does that mean? Sometimes it just means fucking forget about. It. Uh, sometimes it means oof, forget about it. Sometimes yeah, sometimes forget about on these peppers. Forget about it. <laughs> Sometimes it's like uh, Buick's better than a Cadillac. Forget about it. Sometimes it means <laughs> fuck off. Um, now we were. Um, I hope people understand how I present this. But my girlfriend and I, we watched. She'd never seen it, dude. And early on in the um, pandemic, we watched it. I think I might have said this on the show. Maybe not. Um, we like. She likes to mess around about hitting me and stuff. Like you know, slap. Like playing around sometimes when she's when we're ball busting. Yeah, when we're ball busting. And one time she came up with this. She goes, do you want a DB? 
do you want me to give you a DB? Which is a Donnie Brasco because of he slaps and hey. And so she's like, you want a DB? Do you want me, you want me to give you a DB? I'll give you a double DB. You keep talking. So it's an inner, it's an inside joke with us because she loved sure. the movie so much and enjoyed the performances. But she was so shocked at, at uh, Donnie Brasco getting so caught up in the world that he would slap his wife, who's been so dutiful and standing by his side while he's taken all this time to be undercover. And so, you know, it's, it's become a running joke in our, in our, in our relationship. I don't say That's it. Fun. She says it all the time. Yeah, That's fun. fun. Yeah. Because you want a DB? That's what's so funny to me. Uh, anyway, um, where are we at? Yeah, oh, my, my four. four. So my four is Christopher Nolan, and that's The Dark Knight. That's my four. Uh, okay. That, so that Chris Slight Nolan point? is my three. Okay. All right. I wrote down both that and Interstellar. I think I go Dark Knight. <clears throat> okay. So it's Dark Knight. All right. Yeah. I think I go Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I have to, I have my issues with Interstellar in, in a couple of spots near the end, especially. But I don't I have my issues it. with Dark Knight at all throughout the whole movie. So um, I think it's just a more complete film for sure. But Interstellar, the scope of it maybe can make you forgive a little bit of the couple of issues you might have with the movie because yeah, it's so some grandiose. people would take Inception, right? Um, yeah, I guess I I can't. Yeah, it's good, but I don't think it's on for me. It's not on the level of those two. Yeah, I don't and disagree. Dark, with you. Dark Knight, you know what we said about Skyfall earlier, mm-hmm. taking over the mantle of expectations. Yeah, and achieving something that's higher than anything that's come before you. Now for Bond, you have twenty one right. or twenty two films before that, so it's a right. much higher bar. Um, but at the same time, like. Uh, with Dark Knight, you also have all the comics and all the stories and the fact yeah. that this has been a childhood fascination of of numerous generations of individuals. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's a pretty much perfect mm-hmm. a movie, let alone a perfect comic book movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's also, I think, why I'm holding out reservations for the Batman. It's like this, the not too distant past, we have Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of live up to those expectations. Whereas for Skyfall, it's like, hey, outside of Casino Royale, you're not really competing much for <laughs> a decade and a half for me. That's true. That's true. It's a fair point. Although this um, one, when did Dark Knight come out? It's probably a decade and a half. 2008, I think. Yeah, the Dark coming Knight, up yeah. on it, 13 years. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I think it's 2008. That Dark sounds about right. Yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I love the film, obviously, the Heath Ledger performance, but also it's the direction because we're talking about great films directed by a British director. So it's the direction that we really, you know, got to focus on on all, on all these films. And certainly the direction here is incredible. I mean, from the mm-hmm. opening shots of the hanging of the, him holding the mask by his hand and just the close up of that to seeing, to hearing the sounds and to seeing all, everything that happens with the, Robbery, and then the going right into the the uh, um, uh, train of school buses, and then seeing the progression of things as it goes along, and the way he uses the camera and the music from Zimmer, and the way he's moving around the cityscape and stuff like that in multiple cities in the film, just brilliant, just absolutely yeah. brilliant. How he's able to direct this film and get you into the feeling of the film, and some people like uh, you know our friend the. Uh, Mike Kalinowski there, they, they don't consider it a Batman film. They consider it a Joker film. And I, I get that or, a, or a, you know, like a mystery film, but not really a Batman film. I guess I get that, but I don't. I think it's very much a Batman film. What? Yeah. Dude, does Joker steal the movie? Yeah, but it's still a Batman movie. 
He also hates the Joker as a character. He's not a fan of the Joker as a character. So. Oh, okay. You don't Which, like perfection? <laughs> I've never understood that. Yeah, I've never yeah. understood the way that Batman has uh, – him and Spider-Man have the best, you know, villains. Oh, yes. To Gallery. go up against. But Absolutely. Joker is arguably the best villain of all of them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you don't like – No doubt, dude. So you don't no like – No doubt. You know, ostensibly the best villain, and then you don't like the best – movie what was he a wonder woman 84 fan like right. although he did cry didn't he he did like wonder that woman 84 he did, yeah, he did fucking like terrible he was moved by that movie that's fine no judgment on mike no judgment yeah, yeah yeah but i just had so many logical problems with the movie oh i couldn't God. engage to the degree that i would give a shit yeah you're not wrong uh, you're not wrong yeah it still kills me her checking in on that homeless guy like, oh, it's been cold lately, and then two days later, it's the 4th of July. And she's like, okay, well, it's Washington, D.C. It, I, it's been like two days. It does not get that cold at night in yeah, D.C. in late June, early July. Yeah, it was a little, it's, a, it's a lot confusing how much they didn't understand the city that they were shooting in. You know? oh. But, yeah. They don't we're understand the, the rules of the world they set up. He has to physically touch all these people to get their wishes. And then somehow just being on the television sets works just fine. What? Yeah. And then she can't touch him when he's in that beam, except she can when it's convenient. What? There's a million of those. What? Yeah. It's the plane has gas already? What? A plane that's not designed to fly for one fifth of that trip length <laughs> somehow makes it there. Yeah. But it's sitting on the tarmac of a museum fully gassed. Okay. It's a magic plane, man. <laughs> anyway, we're so, well, talking. She about... turned it invisible. It also gave it magic invisible gas. Okay, <laughs> or made it wildly more efficient. That's true. It's a good point. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so that was my four. Your three, right? Yep. So then my three is. Oh, do we did you did your we did your four? So my three yeah. is um, Gandhi. That's um, Gandhi yeah. was yeah, and then there's one more. No respect. Uh, no, all respect. Uh, but yeah, Gandhi, Serge Richard Attenborough. This is a film I go back to. You, we've talked about it before, Matt. How many times I go back and watch this movie? If I stumble upon it on a TCM or anything, it's addiction. It's an addiction. I will sit and watch an hour or whatever if I got to go do other things. It's or if it's on. I remember just randomly I turned on it at eight o'clock at night and I was I watched all the way to the end and it's just. I can't explain why I love this film mm -hmm. so much, except to say that I really enjoyed Ben Kingsley's performance. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those biopics, and people know I love biopics. It's one of those biopics that I think really encapsulates the man or the, its subject, rather, regardless of gender. It's subject so well, so authentically that you actually believe you're watching Gandhi in these scenes in the movie. He trained, he, he, Ben Kingsley ceases to exist in the movie and it is very much Gandhi. That's what it feels like. And the way Attenborough takes us to certain spots during, a, which is essentially kind of a period piece during those times and his changes, all of it works so well. And the incredible characters that he has in the movie. And look, I'm no, like, I don't want to run to India. I'm not an Indiophile. I don't know how you say it, if that's the word for it, but sure. there's something about this movie that for whatever reason, just really, puts the hook in me and I love watching it. And when he's learning how to speak, I mean, they show you his flaws as he's progressing, right? He isn't, he doesn't come out of the womb, this great yeah. man. It's, it's a journey from this lawyer with hair to eventually who gets kicked off a train 
to eventually kind of slowly discovering that he wants to change. He has a voice to cause change. He wants to use it, but he also struggles with public speaking. He struggles with how to put the rules uh, fairly to his family and everybody else and all of that. And it's such a great film that shows the progression of him as a, as a person uh, until you get to the tragic ending, which of course leads the film. So it has even more power when you watch it after you've seen the whole film. So, yeah. And don't get thrown off by the length of it. I think that's why for a long time I didn't watch it. Um, Because it's a, you know, it's a tough tough bar to clear when you set, hey, this thing is three hours and change. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time. Uh, But it it is excellent. It is worth the watch. I've just seen it once. Right, right. right. Understood. And it's an excellent movie. It's it's in that 11 to 15 range on my list. Hmm. But it just, look, I'm going to watch Man on Fire more. That's what part of the... (laughs) Just am. Of course. Of course. Um, all right. What is your three or two? Uh, we have done my three. I'm sorry. Your two. My two is uh, Gladiator. Oh, nice choice. Nice choice. Didn't I thought about list. Alien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Gladiator, I've already watched more. I will continue to watch more. Um, oh, by the way, it's the same director of two for me as well. But go ahead. Go ahead. Just a different oh. film. Yeah. What did you choose? A Blade Runner. That's my favorite, really. Bar I figured none. that's the Ridley you would take. Yeah, yeah. Bar none. Bar none. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, for whatever reason. I mean, I'm a big fan of any kind of story or, or description or retelling of what happened in Rome. Yeah. In Roman times, even though that encapsulates it's, you know, quite a long expanse of time. Yeah. But it's very rare in Hollywood to get any kind of movie uh, that's worth its salt set in that time period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so strange to me that there's that wealth of information, but I guess it's tough to find connection to a world that doesn't, I guess, feel tangible and real anymore. Yeah. I don't know. It's the same thing for me with, uh, you know, Egypt. There's not many really good movies about Egypt, mm. uh, which I would love, but most yeah. of them are kind of cartoonish and fun a la Stargate yeah. or, <laughs> um, terrible like uh what was it gods and um yeah by the same director <laughs> yeah which is is that by the same director exodus the gods and exodus that's what it was gods yeah, and gods whatever, and King, whatever it was. yeah yeah and then there's the other one of course with gerard butler which i can't remember the name of i think that's said in Egypt. yeah most well. of their egypt films are going to be like that for some reason <laughs> instead of discussing the fact that you know, <laughs> like we're closer in time to Cleopatra than Yo. she was to the building of the Great Pyramids. Wow, yeah, that's how old Egypt is, and yeah. yet we get the Stargates and <laughs> Exodus and that crap. And you're like, man, there's so much to discuss here. It's the same with Rome, yeah. So the fact that they finally someone made a Rome film and mm. it was excellent i still love it they're gonna make a sequel somehow i don't know how i don't know how either hopefully it's just a completely different story just called gladiator right right um because he's he's dead rightfully so right and uh we move forward but uh what about blade runner yeah i mean what can he say i've said you know spoken about it a million times it's 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 such a great noir a sci-fi noir an incredible soundtrack a great yet another film that a sci-fi film that has a conversation about what it means to be human. I mean, there's, there's shades of that in Ex Machina, of course, but there's all that, com- there's the uh, progression of him as well as a character. Like 
Is he or is he not a replicant? What is he? Why is he so good at taking them out? Why is he so frustrated at being good at this thing that he hates doing? Uh, and then you get the exploration here of what what uh, um, Sean Young is going through as she discovers that she's a replicant. What's it like to actually discover in time as the movie as the movie goes forward that you are a replicant, and then how that changes your point of view and your perception of yourself and the world around you? And oh, here's Roy Batty, Rutger Hauer, greatest performance he's ever done. Uh, going yeah. through the whole movie, um, really being this battering ram of death and this eventuality that every creator must face once the uh, thing he or she has created achieves sentience or ch- achieves intelligence, it must then seek answers from you, uh, like we've seen with Frankenstein, like we all do many times when people who are religious want to ask questions of God, of why. It's the same thing when, when he gets the chance to confront the things he's confronted and the the deaths are so brutal. Um, So there's so much about it, the cinematography, the, and the fact that it still looks like it could, it could have come out today. It's kind of mind blowing. I mean, that in 2000, what is it? uh, American 2049. uh, No, no, sorry. 2001, the space odyssey, both of those films look like they could still come out today. So it's just incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Um, So yeah, that's why it's my number two. Okay. Yeah. What's your one? Uh, my one is The Shining. Oh yeah, wait, but Kubrick's not—he's American. What? Yeah, Stanley Kubrick is American, dude. He was born in Michigan. That's the one I was talking about. Oh, I just wrote it down. I was like, Kubrick—he's English. <laughs> no, he's an American film director, producer, screenwriter. Right there on Wikipedia. Oh, sorry, he was born in the Bronx in New York City. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, he died in, in England. He did die in England. That's for sure. I didn't. That's one of the ones I didn't look up. And I was like, Kubrick's English. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even fucking look it up. Um, well, go ahead and, uh, give Talk your about- number one, which okay. I know what it is. And I'll just figure out something to slide up. <laughs> the gladiator becomes my one. All right. So my number one is obviously Lawrence of Arabia, which Matt doesn't yeah. have on his list. Um, that's David Lean, incredible filmmaker. So many great epics. Dr. Zhivago could have been in this. Bridge on the River Kwai could have been on my could have been my selection that would for have sure. Been my selection. Yeah, that's a great, great film, too. But Lawrence of Arabia for me, once again, a four-hour film or almost four-hour film in the sand, and it absolutely keeps my attention. You know, we're on the precipice as we record this of Dune coming out uh for people to watch. And I loved Dune. I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of it. And so this like these sand thing, these sand epics or sand films just kind of really appeal to me for whatever reason. I should I should be bored by them, but for whatever reason, they really work for me. And I think the journey of Lawrence, just like what I talked about with Gandhi, seeing his journey as he kind of is frustrated about being this kind of low-level military guy working on maps in the bottom of a building to where he becomes this man who leads. Uh, these people in these wars, um, essentially for the English and then eventually for himself and then eventually for the Arabs, he is uh, constantly questioning his inner instinct to become this leader because of the price he must pay to be this leader. You know, the the, the decisions he has to make um, and what he has to confront and go through and, and overcome in order to achieve the things that he wants to achieve in the movie. It's so powerful. And Peter O'Toole is so great doing it. Mm-hmm. And this was only a certain amount of his life. It wasn't like this was his entire life. This was a certain section of his life. And he dies tragically in a motorcycle accident. But you watch the whole movie, how Peter O'Toole embraces this character and then see him go from this innocent, utopian, idealistic young man to this almost bitter, 
disenfranchised um, political casualty uh, that he is in the film, you know, and it's brilliant, just brilliant. And David Lean, the cinematography, the way he shoots, the way he moves us from one section of the of the um, film to another, and the way he takes us on these like mini adventures mm-hmm. uh, and introduces characters like Omar Sharif and Alec, or the actors Omar Sharif and Alec Gillis and their characters that they're playing, just genius stuff, absolutely genius stuff. And Claude Rains as well. So yeah. That's why it's my number one. It's one of my go. favorite films. Top 10. One of my top 10 favorite films. All right. What do you got, Matt? What are you going to say? Do you, do you need more time or are you good? No, no. I uh, So I took that off and I slotted uh, King's Speech at number six. So that's oh, King's okay. Speech is not my six. Go ahead. That's all right. King's Speech. We've talked about it. Well, there's nobody. It feels weird to go you're back right. you're for right. a six. Right. Okay. And I screwed up. I didn't even. Legitimately, I made a full list. I checked everybody's Wikipedia yeah. except for Kubrick. He was like the third name I wrote down. It was like him, Ridley Scott. I didn't check because I knew. Right. And Chris Nolan. I was like, yeah, he's English. And actually, Steve McQueen, <laughs> I knew too. There was like a, a list of, right off the top. It was like, he's English. He's English. Yeah. Um, but there we go. So there are our two. So then now, mm-hmm. Lawrence of Arabia is your one. Gladiator is my one. What do right. we want to do about these? We have two different from the same guy. Because we have that also with Sam Mendes. I guess we default to the higher ranking, don't you think? Doesn't that make the most sense? I guess, sure. So that means, are we then saying that only one Ridley makes it? So it'd be Gladiator. Ooh. And no. I didn't think about that. Because mm. we, we both had an unofficial rule with ourselves. We're only taking one per yeah, 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 yeah. director. Well, we, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, that's, a, it's interesting. Because we didn't say top 10 director. So we're saying top 10 film. So I guess since we're saying top 10 films directed by a British director, more than one from the same director can qualify. Don't you think? I mean, cause just from the title of the list. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm, I'm writing down gladiator slash blade runner. At number one. Okay. All right. I guess we'll do that then. Uh, let's see. So we both have dark Knight. Yes. I have it at four. That's my two now. Okay. So I would say the Dark Knight. Yeah. Topsy Turvy is now four for me. That's my set uh, eight. And then Sam Mendes, I have it five. Yeah, I have it at six. Okay, so do you want to do Topsy Turvy, Sam Mendes, and then we go back for Lawrence? So wait, 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 what? What are you talking about? Lawrence should be number one. Why is Lawrence number one? Well, because you fucked up. You didn't have a right number one. You don't get to move it up now and take away my rightful number one. That's ridiculous. Lawrence I reordered is number one. Period. I reordered my list, so Gladiator is now flip. my number one. Either way, we just flip because you moved it up to one. Okay, you well, if we're flipping, then in both, contention. If we're flipping, then Blade Runner doesn't make the list. No, why? Why do you get to why? determine what the fuck? You're makes arbitrarily the list? making a decision. No, you're arbitrarily because you're moving things up to contend. You didn't even have a number one. I, I asked you specifically. Take I was the like, punishment two from of one. not looking up Kubrick. Take the punishment. Arabia's oh, okay. one. Then we can. Uh, you really want to do this? Because I'll hold your feet to That's the fire fair. the next time this comes up. Please and be like, oh, you hold up. my feet to the fire. I yeah. ask you to hold my we'll feet flip. to the fire the next time. We'll flip. No flip. Bronze number is the rightful yeah. number one. It is not. You did not even have a number one. I did. It's called Gladiator. No, it was, it really was not your number one. Yep. You want, I can take a screenshot right now of my list. Uh, Gladiator is number <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, now that you've changed it, sure. It goes Gladiator, Interstellar, Donnie Brasco, Top of Derby, All the way the down King's to four. Speech. Ridiculous. Uh, rear Window, 
You can I say it all you want. You can repeat it 20 Flip times. It. Do you want to call in the air? Three, <laughs> two, Why are we flipping? One. Who determines why we flip? Uh, we should well, be flipping if we even need to flip. Well, That's because you're just do. saying that your number one is number one. It's just well, like, well, no, we can, it's number one. We can it's, flip, and that is the answer to I followed the, the rules of the list, okay. and you did not. And now I'm you actually, don't want any punishment for not looking up the Kubrick thing. And you why should, why should there be a punishment for a I, mental lapse? I, I, well, I don't feel like for a mental always lapse, punishments Punishment mental seems lapse. excessive for a mental lapse. A mental lapse in coverage, a mental you, lapse in interception. Do you want to call this? There's always punishments. Three. It's ridiculous. Do you want to call this? Or you want me to call this? Uh, fucking you call it then. Okay, fine. Tails. Uh, well, you got your way. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. That's the karma of the oh, world. that's fair. Okay, that's the karma of the universe. I respect it. Thank you, karma of the universe. Uh, well, I I think we should flip for whether or not we're going to take two from one director. Well, I just thought I thought you said you were going to put them right next to each other. Uh, no, nope. It's uh, blah, 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 punishment for There's not no having the same movie, something or other. I didn't do anything wrong. I, I did. We 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 agreed already that we were going to put the two. Yes, next we to also each agreed that Gladiator slash. We didn't agree. Blade Runner. Yes, we did. We'd be number one. And you went, okay. I and didn't you're agree like, to that. I didn't agree to that. And then five seconds later, you're like, wait a second. That means my number one is a number. Yes, you did agree to it. Run. No, I didn't. Back. I didn't understand what you were doing. And But then when you did, then when you said that Arabia, I was like, no, 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 no. There's no way that should happen. There's no way that should happen. I, so I when I understood that. what was happening, then I lodged my protest. Uh, well, that's fine. I'm putting Gladiator too, because that's my number one. Gladiator and Blade Runner, right? Nope. We're just going to Blade Runner right afterwards then, because that's my two. Uh, I have my number two, which <laughs> no, is which is which. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, I'm confused here. Sure, my number one is Gladiator. So now, so now we're gonna go because you're petty and you're upset. We're now uh, gonna start doing this. I'm game. not upset, but I'm petty. Oh, bullshit. You're not upset. You're I'm not totally upset, upset, but I am definitely After five petty. years of knowing you. I know you're upset. Give me a. Oh break. no, not in the slightest. But petty? Hell yeah, I am <laughs> yeah. willing to now. I've got zero problem with you calling me petty. I'm not petty upset. doesn't come from being upset. Okay, all right. No, no, no. Petty is like, oh, okay, you want to change the rules? Fucking, we can change the rules. I'm changing I didn't the change the rules. You, you changed did. the rules. You did. You so did. So now it's uh, Dark Knight, which I have at two. Mm-hmm. And you have it where? Four? Yeah, four. So I would say Dark Knight goes next. What, at two? At number three. And, wait, wait. What just happened here? You put you got your number one, so then followed by my number one, right? Which was Gladiator, correct? So the my two is Blade Runner, correct? But, but if you're you're not I taking have, it off the list, I don't have Blade Runner, right? So we have a common. Oh no 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 no! Dark I don't miss out on it. Wait wait, this is not the top ten British directors. This is top ten films by a British I know, director. I know. So then so then my Blade Runner comes back into contention here. It does, but right. my two and your four beat your two standalone. The Dark Knight is my two and your four. You have Blade Runner two. A two four beats a single two. What are you talking about? What do you mean? What am I talking about? I have Dark Knight at two. Uh huh. You have it at number four. Wh- which means it makes both oh, lists. Which I means it gets preference over your standalone okay. number two now. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, fine. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense now. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. Um. So. 
Topsy Turvy, we have it four seven. Yeah, but no. Then I go. Then I go Blade Runner. That's uh, my two. Commonality at lower numbers does not override. Since when do we enact that rule? I we're, I, I didn't definitively say that that was what it was going to be. Okay. I'm just All floating right. that is that's the only other commonality we now have. Right. What number are we at right now? Uh, this is number four. So yeah, I would assume let's go ahead and honor the commonality and then we can do the, you got your two, I got my, and we can just go right down the list. We're going to put topsy turvy above Blade Runner. No, I can't sit with it. I can't sit by that. I can't, I can't abide by that. You, we've already done one. You can't abide by. I don't know how many you can't abide by. You get in one show, <laughs> but four and seven, I, seven yanks it down from the top five, but seven the, yanks it down below top five. That's why, why I think Blade Runner goes here. Why not just put the commonality and then you can go Blade Runner is now number the next on the list because it's the next highest and we just horse trade thereafter. So, so what we've got is Lawrence of Arabia. Correct. Then what? Gladiator, then the Dark Knight. So, okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right, fine. Just so we get, so we get through this list and we get out of your pettiness. Who's, I think we're both being petty. I'm not being petty at all. Okay. Um, so now Blade Runner, finally? Yeah, at number okay. five. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What's your next highest? I have my three. I have my three. Flip it. I call it this time. Fair enough. Call it in the air. Three, two, one. Heads. God damn it. You can't win them all, you know? <laughs> Especially when you throw it on that plank. Gandhi was my three. Uh, okay. I have my five. As do I. You call it this time. How many have we got left, by the way? How many have we got left? Uh, we have three left. Eight, nine, okay. ten. Sounds good. Uh, flipping now, Tails. All right, what was yours? Uh, what were we at? Number five? Uh, whatever your next highest is. Was uh, five yeah, five. Yeah, Henry V. All right. So then what I was yours? 1917. Oh, right. Right on. Okay. And I have my six. We have... What's your six? Uh, King's Speech. Minus Skyfall. I mean, come on. I think we flip. I think that's How can we that's... flip on a film if you just... Threw in at the end, but all right, fine. We'll flip. Uh, well, it's, it's flipping. All right, uh, I'm calling tails. Wait, wait, what? You called you the just, last one. Oh, did you? Did I? No, you did. You called the last one. Okay. Call in the air. Three, two, one. Tails. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. And the King's Speech sneaks on. That's ridiculous. All right. Over Skyfall. Shameful. Shameful. You know, sometimes things happen. Shameful. How can you look at yourself? All right. Uh, there's our list. Uh, let's count it down. I don't have the bongo, so I'll do my best here. The top 10 films directed by a British director. Yeah. At number 10. The King's Speech. At number 9. 1917. At number 8. Henry V. At number seven, Gandhi. At number six, Gandhi Brasco. 
That's a great movie. At number five. Blade Runner. At number four. Topsy Turvy. At number three. The Dark Knight. At number two. Gladiator. And our number one British film directed by a British director is... Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. There you go. Number one film. Sorry, directed by a British director. I'll clarify that. There you go. All right. There you go. There's our list. Much ballyhooed and contention that it was. There's our final list for that. Uh, Matt, are we moving into shout outs now? Thanks to everybody who's watching and listening to us now. But now we're going to thank our patrons. Am I correct on this? That that you are. Uh, it's a, if, if you support the show, pardon me, $5 and above, this is our way of saying thank you at the end of the month. And we give you a shout out on the show. So everybody that uh, donates, um, hopefully uh, perk those ears up. You're about to hear your name and you ready to roll? I think so. Oh, shit. Hold on. It's having a little bit of time coming up. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, maybe I, maybe if I go specifically off your email rather than just, yeah, for some reason it's not downloading. Oh, there we go. All right. Let me see. Oh, crap. Sorry. I had it pulled up and then I wanted to go through, through the uh, Safari and not through um, uh, Google Chrome. Okay. Also, I'm having troubles with the computer. Sorry about that. It's all right. Why the fuck won't this come up? I can resend it again if you need me to. No, 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 it's not your fault, dude. It's it's totally the computer. It's been burning a lot of. Ever, I guess when you move to when you go to a new city, it like resets itself. So it's been weird. Okay, here we go. Starting with uh, Tari Patton. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's Tarl. T A R L. Tarl. Okay, sorry about that. All right, cool. Uh, Tarl Patton. Darren Wright. Jason McDonald. Roby. Uh, Pele Cole. Eric Taylor. Deepak Maurer. David Steffen. Christine Biernett. Andrew Robinson. Francisco Ramirez. Michael Bauer. Colton Thompson. Henrik W. Phil Knuckles. Ryan Latonin. Ray Roche. Colson Kuliopoulos. Gally Onkin. Justin Kelly. Lachlan Skinner. Joseph Curran. Fred Castillo. Edward Wilshire. J. Scotty St. Clair. Charles J. Clark. Zachariah Kaufman. Jeff Dickin. Francisco J. Torres. Connor Teal. Michael E. Dyke. Robert Francesco Surase. Tim Reimert. Dominic Greaves. Eric Bruin. Matt Simmons. Kyle Beckworth. Jeremy Bowers. James Petty. Nick Francis. Billy Williams. Christopher Brockman. Blake Gaunt. Cameron Chapman. Alex Russell. Bobby Michael. Paul Cree. So Paul. Drew Burkhart. Stacy Flores. Luke Allison. Mark Fawcett. Kristen Kurtz. Gareth Weldon. Timothy R. Williams. Chris Lemke. Nick Baldwin. Johanna Linaverta. JIC317. DJ Red Hot Cox. Heyo. Ahmad Ali. Darren Bush. Angela Dashner. Louis Berrigan. Josh Lawrence. Chelsea Lewis. Adelardo Fuente. Reagan Lovig. Rodrigo Valverde III. Lawrence Witt. Andre Constantinescu. Steve Schluckabier. Catherine Samuels. Houston Bodily. Roque Orellana. Maurice Robinson. Marcus Davenport. Brandon Caridi. Ravi Prasad. Joe Farrelly. Charlie McKenna. Mark Menchaca. Josh Mabry. Ben Cartwright. Josh Murphy. Kevin Shaw. Josh Sachs. 
George Menchaca, Dale Varley, Chris Consiglio, Wayne Murphy, Ashley Prowse, Johannes Schmidt, Sunjayanth Fernando, Ian Brick Beltran Lopez, Evan Zoller, Kevin Fuss, Jen Kemp, Ryan McKenna, Brian Akins, Alexander Marzonia, Garth Wizenant, Mike Barrington, Ed Buzzkirk, Jeff Saliba, Noel Kelleher, Jim Payne, David Mitchell Baker, Andy Ortiz, John Keefe, Kristen Smith, Matthew Lee Cravens, Marcel Berman, James Trapani, Drew Enns, Dan Nye, Seth Shearer, Andrew Marker, Chris Jones, Luke Larson, Chris Cabrera, Robert Haley, hey Robert, and Anthony Castelnova. There it is. That is a shout out to all our patrons at the $5 above level over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. So please hit us up over there and you can follow the show on Twitter at top 10 show and on Instagram and YouTube. It is forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. Uh, we'd love to have you at any of those. Absolutely. And uh, please hit us up at all, all our social medias and you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, check out Settle the Score and uh, Dropping Dimes for me, and that is it this week. You can follow me at the Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram, and uh, head on over to my YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash John Roca Says, almost at 19,000 sub- subscribers. So come over and help us cross that mark. Also, uh, you can go listen to the Geek Buddies and the Cinephiles uh, available there for podcast and on Twitch, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch. Come and hang out with me there as well uh all right that's it from us uh matt good list fun time nice old school battle about the list we haven't done that in a long time good stuff there hope you all enjoyed it and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from the top 10 peace